It's a joy for me to be back home here at Fifth Reformed Church. It was almost 31 years ago that I was ordained here at Fifth Reformed. And I notice I come into the foyer and it's like some things have changed. It's very beautiful. Well, one thing that has not changed is Randy. I want to begin by thanking this congregation for your faithful prayers and your faithful financial support of our ministry for the last 25 years. 25 years of faithfulness. Give the Lord a clap offering and clap for yourselves as well. (laughs) Beth and I have had the privilege of serving 13 and a half years in the nation of Estonia, northernmost of those three Baltic republics of the former Soviet Union. And then in the last eight and a half years, nearly nine, in the kingdom of Bahrain in the Middle East. Two very different climates. And I like the heat. But the Lord called us back home And I'm working out of the Grand Rapids office, the Michigan Regional Center, for the RCA as the coordinator for prayer mobilization, something that is desperately needed uh, as a denomination. I believe that uh, it it comes right out of the heart of our new general secretary, Eddie Alaman. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. We sensed very strongly that the Lord wanted us back And we got back at the end of January just in time for that Arctic freeze. So the Lord has a sense of humor knowing that I like the heat. And he said, get used to this. I'll give you grace for it. But we are very, very grateful to be back. And a number of our children are in the area, which is a huge extra bonus. I want to start by giving a quick update because everybody I'm seeing that remembers when I was young and was ordained, they're asking for updates on the family. I realize there's a lot of new faces too. Our old, first of all, my wonderful wife Beth is here. Please stand and she's my better half. (laughs) Uh, The Lord bless us with seven children. I think I've been known in global mission services as the missionary with all the kids. Our oldest is Joshua, and he's married to Jessica. They've given us three wonderful granddaughters, Felicity, Debbie, Felicity, and Haven, ages six, five, and three. And they live in Door, 30, 28 minutes from where Beth and I now have a condo in Hudsonville. And uh, we're grateful for that. He works with Audio Scripture Ministries in Holland, Michigan. Then the next, I'll go in the birth order. Uh, Patricia is in Chicago working as an exercise technician. Uh, Elizabeth is still in Bahrain. She she said, Mom and Dad, you you may feel the calling to go back to the USA, but I don't. I'm going to stay in Bahrain, continue to serve as the assistant teacher at the mission school. She's very involved in discipleship ministry in our congregation there. We're grateful. Uh, Then there's Hannah. And Hannah is a beautician in the area, and she's now living with us. 
And uh, then Jonathan is in the Air Force, presently serving at Fort Walton in Florida. And uh, Stephen is here. And Stephen and her fiance, his fiance, uh, are here, and they're going to be married in this congregation in about five weeks. And, and uh, Stephen is a personal trainer in Rockford. And that leaves Catherine, our youngest. And she is with YWAM, Youth of the Mission, doing a DTS in a place I never heard of. Curacao. How many of you have ever honestly heard of oh, A few of you have. Just north of Venezuela, a former Dutch colony, and she's doing her ministry there. So we praise God for what he has done. Now, I would like to ask you to stand in honor of God's word. The passage is Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And I'm not sure if it's up there or not. Okay, I'll read it. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Please be seated. Last November, I had the privilege to go with one of our board members, Wumba Liandu, sent from our English language congregation, National Evangelical Church in Bahrain, to a place of the world called South Sudan, which has experienced tremendous pain and suffering. And in partnership with Partners in Compassionate Care, PCC, right out of here in Grand Rapids, which was founded by a good friend, David Bowman, in his retirement years. Any of you who are retired, you think the Lord can't use you? Think again. You never know how the Lord is going to use you. He may use you powerfully, as he did in David's life. He raised up an organization which, is a, a, which helps bring medical care to the poorest of the poor, our brothers and sisters in South Sudan, a nation that's been racked with civil war for about 50 of the last 70 years. And we, in recent years, have partnered with PCC. And one of the projects we felt very strongly the Lord wanted us to do was to sponsor 
an eye cataract surgery camp. It was a lot harder than we would have ever anticipated. Our board was involved. We have, we have a, a, a doctor on our board, and he ordered all of the materials, the, the medical supplies, and uh, Brother Deng of PCC worked with us on this, and there was so much to do. We had to identify a medical team that could do it, and we found the one ophthalmologist in the country in South Sudan, and we brought his team in from another region of South Sudan, and it was a big project. It took over a year. And then just weeks before, we found that, not surprisingly, Satan was resisting us with everything we were trying to do to pull this thing together. And then I realized, I have got to write an update letter and and get God's people praying. I wrote that letter, and congregations like yours, your prayer warriors, are sending up prayers on our behalf, and I mobilized our own congregation to pray fervently for this project. And the Lord came through. And I'm telling you, there was a lot of resistance. We found out one week before flying there that even though it was listed in the inventory, when they checked the inventory, there were no surgical knives. None! And I'm thinking, Lord, this is a potential disaster. All this planning and all, all, we've already got our tickets and everything's in place. No surgical knives. We don't have any surgeries. But the Lord heard our prayer. And on the very flight that we flew from Juba to Bor, on that same chartered flight, the surgical knives were there, just flown in from Nairobi the morning, that morning. We find in times like this, where what we need most is simply to push, to push through. Push is an acronym for pray until something happens. Our goal was to see 150 people that were blind from their cataracts because, you see, we worked with a lot of lepers. And when you have cataract, how many have had cataract surgery here? A number of you. So did I. You remember I didn't used to, I always had glasses since I was age 12, but since my cataracts, it's like new eyes. But I wasn't blind. It just got clearer. But when you're a leper, one of the side effects is the cataracts are really thick. And you, it becomes so opaque, you, you become blind. And we gave them the first priority. So our goal was to see 150 people see again in the name of Jesus. And by the time the two weeks were done, we didn't have 150. We had 194 people see in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Jesus has so much to say about prayer. If you're taking notes, and you'll notice there's an outline, I love it when people take notes. It's true. You know, studies were done. Those that take notes leave with a lot more understanding of if we just simply listen, we don't gain as much. You take notes, you have something to remember. So I encourage you strongly to take notes because I, I want you to go away with something more than just a message. Jesus, 
had a lot to say. Jot these references down. First of all, I want to start out by saying that no greater prayer, Jesus is the greatest prayer of all time, the greatest practitioner of prayer. He, and so when he has anything to say about prayer, I want to I pay special attention. Listen to some of the things he said. In, jot down John 14, verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now that, friends, is one of the greatest promises he gives us. And let it sink in. We are to ask in his name, with his authority, if it's according to his will, he'll do it for us. So why do we not pray more? Why do we go through life hardly praying? It's the greatest resource the Lord has given us, and we're not utilizing it very effectively. But the Lord challenges us. You see, he, the Lord wants to multiply kingdom ministry. He wants to do what he did on earth through all of us. He wants us to be his eyes and his ears to pray with his authority in his name. And he's up there interceding on our behalf with the Father. It's a partnership. So Jesus makes it very clear. Now another place, jot down Matthew 7, 7 and 8. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I want you to understand that these three action verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are all in the present imperative which John nods, he knows exactly what, what that means because he took Greek. We had to. But it, it helped understand. It means repeated action. Repeated action. A better translation is keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Now Jesus says that we should always pray and never give up. The word in the Greek there is enkinkao. It's, in your, it's on your outline there. Enkinkao isn't just give up. NIV gives us a weak translation there. It literally means to be filled with bad thoughts, to worry, to be full of anxiety. Worry is filling your mind with all of the things that can go wrong. Filling us, encouraging anxiety. That, that, in a sense, actually works against our prayers. It nullifies it. That's why worry is such a problem. And you know what? I know all about worrying because i am been a pretty good worrier through a lot of my life. But it's like, why worry when you can pray? Turn the worry into prayer. That's the key. We should always pray, never enkinkao, give up. We should never have, be filled with worry and anxiety. 
And then he tells us this story. Now, we don't know whether this parable really happened in back in Israel in those days or whether Jesus is simply telling us a general story to make a point. And it doesn't really matter. What does matter is Jesus is a master storyteller and every detail is significant in this story. And so he tells us the story of an unjust judge. He says, there's, in this town there's an unjust judge. He, he neither fears God nor cares what people think. And then a widow comes to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. That's the setting. Jesus tells us for some time the judge refuses. But finally in the end he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice. Now, what is that telling us about the motive of this man? Is he a good man? No, he's not. Frankly, he's a lot like our politicians. He's filling a position, but he's not righteous. That detail is very, very important because then Jesus makes the analogy to God. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, then Jesus gives this last story a twist. However, when the Son of Man comes, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Interesting way to end this story. What do we know about the end time reality? Well, Jesus gave us warnings about it. Matthew 24, 9 through 13. Listen to this. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now we've been serving in the Middle East. And there's a lot of Christians under a lot of pressure from Islam. It's a very hard life for many Christians. There are places in the world, not just in the Middle East. Half of our congregation came from India. And in recent years, the fanatical Hindu governments, they put such pressure. They're burning down church buildings. They're driving out people from villages. They want to put pressure on to reconvert back to Hinduism. They beat pastors. This is going on. And you know what? In recent years, we are so grateful that the Lord has answered many of our prayers because I've had the greatest privilege in the last two, three, four years to baptize so many Muslim background believers. But it's a high cost, and we do it very, very cautiously and carefully. 
One man I baptized was from Saudi Arabia. We baptized him at 3 a.m. in an all-night prayer vigil in, in the pool of, of our host. And I remember mentoring him. He was so zealous for the Lord. And, and I thought, maybe I'm mentoring the next the Apostle Paul that's going to go back to Saudi Arabia. And who knows what's going to happen. I was so excited. One day he goes back. See, he would come in on the weekends. And I would share with him and take him through scriptures and pray and then he would go back. But one day he went back to Saudi Arabia and he didn't return. We didn't hear from him for a while. Finally, one of our intercessors called him and and he said, don't talk to me uh, anymore because I'm being monitored carefully and it, it endangers you. So please, don't call. That's the last conversation we had with Faisal. And Faisal's body was found. He had been killed in Saudi Arabia, probably an honor killing at the hands of his own family. It's real, friends. When you make a stand and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, the danger is real. And he's a casualty. Does that mean I regret baptizing? Absolutely not. And now we pray, Lord, the enemy killed Faisal. Raise up 100 more in Jesus' name to take his place and be powerful witnesses in Saudi Arabia. Amen? In Jesus' name. What Jesus is talking about here is the need for persevering prayer. And I think there's at least four applications here. Oh my goodness, way, way back on the time here. First of all, don't worry, start praying. Friends, worry is like water. A little bit of water is great and we need water to live. But water can get out of hand in a hurry. Water is, worry is like water. It begins as a trickle of doubt that creeps into your mind. If it isn't stopped, it soon becomes a stream of fear, which can create a pond of paranoia, which overflows into a river of distress, which develops into a torrent of tension. Before you know it, you've got a flood of worry carving a grand canyon of anxiety in your mind. That's true. William Ward wrote this about worry. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, the assurance of disaster, belief in defeat. Worry is like a magnet that attracts negative circumstances. It's wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. You can create, do it with a lot of energy, but you're not going anywhere. Stop worrying. Start praying. Secondly, don't quit. Pray persistently. Have you ever prayed for something and when the answer didn't come right away, you just stopped? I mean, let's be honest. How many times? Good thing that Hannah in the Old Testament didn't have that approach. 
She didn't say, you know, I really want a baby, but the baby's not coming, so it must not be the Lord's will for me to have a baby. No, she kept pestering God. Lord, I want a son. Give me a son. And he did. And who was that? The great prophet Samuel. It changed the history of Israel. She committed that child, that son, to the Lord. And he was used powerfully. And then the Lord blessed her with several more sons. The Lord comes through. My own call to Estonia, I remember very, very distinctly the Lord put it on my heart. It was like, your next place of service will be in the Soviet Union. And I remember on Mother's Day telling my mother and telling my family, and they said, oh, boy. But most importantly, Beth says, the Lord may be calling you, but the Lord's not calling me there. So I thought, okay, Lord, I, I'm going to back off and just pray that the Lord would speak to Beth. And four or five months later, Beth comes to me one day and says, Jim, I'm afraid, but I think he wants us to go to the former Soviet Union. And we went to Estonia for 13 and a half years. The Lord always answers prayer, but we have to be persistent. Keep praying till the answer comes. Now, the third application, friends. Don't doubt. Pray positively. Pray positively. In, the, in this particular parable, we're represented by the widow who just keeps coming and coming and coming. But is God like that unjust judge? Is he? Does he need to be pestered? Not at all. Parables are not just about comparisons, but they're about contrasts. Our Abba Father is the how much more Father. He's the very antithesis of this uncaring judge. And that's Jesus' whole point. How much more will the Father hear us and answer us And make sure that we receive what we need. So therefore, keep on till the answer comes. That's the point. Fourthly, we must expect God to what? Answer our prayers. You know, if... This morning when somebody came on and switched on the lights, they expected what? Electricity, right? The lights come on. Now, if it doesn't come on, does that mean that we should curse Thomas Edison and say electricity must be a lie? But we do that with God sometimes. We don't get an answer and we think, prayer doesn't work. No, if the electricity didn't come on, what should we do? Find out why. Maybe the light bulb is burned out. Maybe... The breaker was tripped. Maybe there isn't electricity because there are storms and the lines are down. There's a reason. Now, if if you're praying and you're not receiving an answer, examine why. Maybe the prayer is wrong. Maybe the answer is wait. Just keep praying. 
Maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life or bitterness. And the Lord wants to deal with that because that's blocking our prayers. That can block our prayers. But keep praying. The Lord always will answer his prayers. Always. Now, he doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer. Isn't that true? But he'll always answer. He may answer us quickly. And when you're praying and God gives you a quick answer, just rejoice. Thank you, Lord. He may answer us later. George Mueller, great English preacher, God used him to raise up lots of orphanages. What was so unique about that man is he didn't make his needs known and encourage people to give. He just made them known to God. He just prayed. And the Lord just came through for him time after time. And there's a story where they're out of food in one of these orphanages and the workers are saying, George, what are we going to do? He said, just invite the children to sit down at the dining room table and we'll pray. So he did, and he prayed. Knock, knock, knock at the door. There's the local baker with all this bread. He said, I don't know what came over me, but I felt like I was to come and donate the bread. Do you need it? In comes the bread. Another knock, 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 knock. And there's a guy with milk. He said, it broke down right in front of the orphanage and I don't want it to go to waste. Can you use it? The Lord always came through. George Mueller said, the thing to remember about, the great point about prayer is never to give up until the answer comes. I've been praying for one man's salvation for 63 years and eight months. and He is not yet saved, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I am praying. And the day came. They were lowering his casket into the ground. And that man was there. And he fell on his knees right there. And he began to repent. And receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior right at the grave site. So sometimes the answer comes after you're gone. But he always answers. Amen? Now, thirdly, he may answer us better. Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, once said, if God answered every prayer of mine, I would have married the wrong man seven times. <laughs> Sometimes God answers us better. Thirdly, fourthly, God may say no. This is the painful one. Have you ever prayed for something and God clearly says no? I remember praying for my sister's marriage to be saved. She asked me to fast and pray. And I remember pacing the living room in Estonia. And as I'm praying for her marriage to be saved, the Holy Spirit said, stop praying that way. The marriage is over. And I thought, what? What? And I conveyed that to my sister, and she said, My best friend, who's a strong intercessor, said, Linda, you need to prepare yourself to go through a divorce. And so then I prayed differently Lord, would you give my sister the grace to walk through this hard time? 
and go through this? Would you give her the grace to get through it? And he did. We didn't know it at the time, but her ex had no intention of any reconciliation. He was having an affair. Didn't know it. But God loves us and he cares. He always answers our prayer. Even when it's no, then we pray in a different manner. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing privilege called prayer. Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us a persevering attitude. Lord Jesus, you invite us to pray until the answer comes. To be like that widow that refuses to go away until the unjust judge gives her what she needs. And you invite us to pray with persistence. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us more grace to persist, to keep on praying until the answer comes, to push, pray until something happens. Impart that to us, O Lord, so that we may more effectively partner with you and accomplish with you the things you want accomplished on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.